Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Forums, where we will hear from finalists who are paving the way in the wealth management industry. Fee-only IRAs may offer insurance and annuities in addition to planning and asset management. But if they are working on behalf of an insurance company, are they still a true fiduciary? And then let's consider the case where a plan may benefit from insurance. Well, wouldn't it be in the client's best interest to have someone who can provide a holistic solution? I'm Patrice Sikora. With me are industry leaders, Heather Kelly, Senior Vice President at Allianz, and Rich Romano, CEO and co-founder of Fiduciary Exchange, which powers platforms like InvestNet. All right, folks, I can see both sides of this argument, but first, let's get to how it started. How did this conundrum come about, Heather? Well, thank you, Patrice. It's great to be here today. And I really think the... um The conundrum is rooted in the fact that if you rewind the clock quite a bit and you think of how the fiduciary space has evolved, many of those folks and individuals never had an insurance license. They weren't able to extend those services to their clients. And that whole segment of the population has evolved significantly. Even if you just go back 10 years ago, when you think of how the industry has changed and shifted in the fiduciary space, We had advisors who were only extending investment management services and were portfolio managers predominantly. And you fast forward the calendar to today, so many more of those advisors are now integrating integrating planning into their offering. And because insurance is an essential element to be discussed, maybe not always implemented, but at least to be at the table and, and part of the conversation, We're finding many more of these advisors finding it necessary to rely on individuals who have the expertise or to evolve their skill set to integrate this into their planning process. Um, I think it's further compounded and complicated, given that many of those individuals, again, didn't um, have the training on the insurance side, nor may they have, nor the licenses that are necessary to actually implement the solutions. Rich, I'm sure you have a couple of thoughts here as well. I know. I know you've been involved in this conversation for quite some time. Rich? I, I have. Yeah, I, I have. And uh, hi, everybody. Uh, Rich Romano, great to be here. And, you know, I think, you know, Heather, Heather hits on important and really important parts. And, you know, I think the other side to that is you know, if you go back in time when Heather took us back there, the other aspect was these technologies never really made it easy for advisors, even if an advisor was insurance licensed and was ready to do that business, it was really tough to do, right? Fraught with paper, fraught with complexity, technology wasn't integrated, everything was siloed. Nobody said wealth management and insurance in the same breath when they thought of, of, of platforms and how they service their clients. So, you know, it's always this away transaction that even if they were a planner, they never could represent to a client in a single quarterly performance report or, or a statement, here's how you're doing holistically, right? And you'll hear me say the word holistically a lot because, you know, it's really important. And when you fast forward to today, now, right, you've got products that are not just commission-based annuities that drop the commission and they said they're fee-based, right? They re- The product evolution has also come a long way that you truly now have fee-based vehicles that align very well next to a mutual fund, an ETF, a a separately managed account, a UMA, so that a client can truly act as a fiduciary, right? The 
The problem, I think, has always been how can I exhibit that I'm being a fiduciary? And that requires integrated solutions that let the advisor not only buy things for a client, but manage them. And as that person goes through their life, manage them according to where they are in their life cycle. So I think it's it's all of these things aligning now to a true north so that advisors can do this and and also use partners digitally in that practice where they they have trusted folks that, that want to do that, right? A lot of people, they went to college, they do asset management, and they have a, a friend that maybe is an insurance agent and they work together and now they can work together and still have a single client with a single portfolio. Is there any hybrid training for any certification? I would just share that there's quite a bit of training out there that's accessible to advisors. Many of these advisors uh, have credentials that they're required to get a continuing education for, and advancing their knowledge in the insurance space can contribute to that continuing education. Uh, but then you also have the American College. There's other institutions out there as well that will continue to advance the education designation capabilities into this advisory space and really couch the conversation and the education around that fee-based advisor. We talk about the evolution of the space. Again, if you go back to only a few years, I don't even think you have to go back 10 years, probably only go back two or three years. Any insurance education was really geared more towards that commission-based product, that insurance-only professional. It has really evolved significantly in, in a relatively short period of time and really catering and curating content that speaks to the advisor who is sitting in that fiduciary um, planning situation. Rich? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And, and, and I think, you know, if you, if you went back just a couple of years ago, I think it's another great, you know, not in our pretty recent past, you know, when you went to a lot of these wealth management conferences, there was tons of CE sessions around investments and, and fiduciaries. And now what do you see? You see a lot of CE sessions for insurance that you have fee-based advisors going to. So it continues to not just be, I'm an insurance person or I'm an investment person, right? I'm a investment manager. I'm a planner. That's what I do. So they have to start looking at these things across, you know, what we would call the, the essential asset classes that they have to be you know, well-educated in, you know, and above all of the traditional things that they have to go to, you know, related to, you know, whether it's regulated or, 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 you know, unregistered that they still have to do anyway. I was going to challenge the two of you to convince me one way or the other, which was the answer here. But what I'm hearing is that it's, there is no one answer. How is the industry responding to this? You know, it, it, Patrice, I think there, there, there is one answer, right? And that answer is, Every person deserves to have access to all of the products and services that will help them have secure outcomes and live lives that can leave a lasting legacy, right? To not have to worry about whether you're going to outlive your asset or outlive your income, right? That, that's the answer. The beauty is now there are there's solutions that allow that to happen where advisors can do that and spend more time looking at what they're doing with their clients and managing their lives because the platforms and the technology and the solutions have come such a long way that, you know, when you look at InvestNet's insurance exchange, or if you look at all the other parties that, you know, FedEx that we've connected to, we realize that, you know, advisors have a way of doing business with their clients and we need to fit into that. 
So we're not about being another, you know, software provider. We're about fitting into the landscape that they know and they love to service their clients. So, you know, I think I think the industry, multiple industries have come together to now realize we have to start offering these products holistically because there's a single client. So, you know, I think I think the answer is clear. I think the vision is clear. And I think now technology and the manufacturers have all come together to really embrace that and and you know really show that these products align for exactly what they're trying to do, which is to get the right product into the the advisor's hands to better serve their clients. Heather, I would lean into that and even shine a brighter light on the technology side. You know, the industry has really positioned itself well to meet advisors in his or her business model. Uh, and that's across the value chain. So if we think about the financial planning software as a portfolio management tool, the transaction tools and, and all of the different ways the industry has risen, and not just the insurance industry, so not just the alliances, the, like I said, the financial planning tools, the transaction platforms, et cetera, have really created an environment where advisors can easily adopt and it also meets the advisor in their business model in the sense that you're going to have some advisors out there who are still very much on the portfolio management side, and you're also going to have advisors who are heavily entrenched in planning. And having those tools and those resources available to him or her on their desktop where they don't have to leave their current business model and can engage and can meaningfully engage with the clients in those conversations is going to be essential going forward. We've made a lot of inroads. Um, and again, it's, it's tailoring and catering to the different audiences that are out there, but it's going to be important that we continue to advance that ball and continue to keep it simple and elegant for that advisor to adopt and integrate. Do you find advisors are accepting uh, the technology that allows them to get into more of the insurance side? Uh, yeah, from, from our side, Patrice, absolutely. You know, when we look at things like if you look at the industry and you look at ticket sizes, right? So what's the average size of an annuity across all the various channels, right? Whether it's bank, it's producer, or it's BD, you know, it, it, it sits, you know, call it 80 to 100,000. Because we now have the ability to truly treat insurance products as an asset class and as part of a portfolio, we're seeing ticket sizes two to three times that size because now the advisor can say, I'm not just thinking about a fixed income alternative. I'm thinking about underperforming large cap ETFs where, you know, after tax drag and after, you know, where they perform, I can go into a, a registered index annuity or a fixed index annuity, protect against the downside and still give my client upside potential. And now I can see it holistically managed to a risk tolerance to an asset allocation and then manage that asset allocation as the market continues to ebb and flow or that client's life, you know, changes. So we uh, are seeing, you know, we, at, you know, at, at FedEx, we actually see almost the inversion of the industry, right? We, we see significant fee-based volumes compared to commission-based volumes and where the holistically, the industry is at very high commission-based volumes and, and lower fee-based uh, volumes. So we are seeing advisors start to move because of the ease of processing and what, what Heather had said, right? Everyone is surrounding the use of technology. So now wholesalers and other folks that work with these advisors are starting to do more of technology-enabled selling versus 
here's the product, here's the paperwork, go fill this out and you know, hopefully all goes smooth. From the way you two talk, why is this still a debate? Heather? I would say that whenever we have to change behaviors and learn something new, it, it is always a challenge. Um, we are humans by nature and we are going to gravitate towards what's familiar and what's known. I think that also the history of the industry has um, created challenges. You know, Rich mentioned it, the volumes and volumes of paperwork that were involved and the cumbersome nature of integrating insurance into an advisor's practice were significant roadblocks that presented themselves and barriers that really made it, in some instances, if not challenging, almost impossible for that advisor to adopt that. As we've advanced on the technology front, as we've assimilated to the advisory space, bringing products that really will not only resonate with the advisor, but morph and fit to that business model has accelerated where we are. But I also know that if you build it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come. So it's going to take an incredible ground game of education and really changing the mindset of advisors and having them think differently. Um, back in my days at United Capital, I would talk to advisors as, you know, if you had an advisor who said every one of their clients needed an insurance product, um, the person who I was talking to would definitely scoff and be like, how could that person call themselves a fiduciary? I would say the converse is also true, though. If you have a book of clients that you're, you're shepherding and you're helping and bringing them through their life cycle to think that there's never an opportunity and never an instance where an insurance can amplify the probability of outcomes, then are we acting in a fiduciary responsibility? And just that change of mind shift and looking at it a little differently, I think is, is important. But again, it's an incredible ground game because it is such a difference and such a shift for advisors. Rich, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree, right? I was trying to come up with some, some, some analogy to it. And, um, you know, it's, I agree with the behavior part uh, 100%, right? And I think it's kind of like uh, you're, they always tell you, don't touch the stove when the gas is on, right? You're going to get burned. I think, you know, nobody believes the stove is off, right? That, you know, they had the experience with a, a life insurance product, an annuity or some other product. And to Heather's point, right? They went through all that paperwork and they got client signature and then they found out they weren't appointed and then go back to the client and have them re-go through that whole process, right? Or they missed this piece of data because it was paper and it, be, it was very, very frustrating, right? And they felt that the products were very opaque and it's, you know, it's the classic, you know, fool me once, shame on you, you know, fool me twice, whatever, shame on me. It, they don't want to go back. So I think it's pretty easy to live sometimes in the liar's box and say, it can't be any better. But, you know, we, we are seeing that once they dip their toe in the water, right, the repeat usage and advisors coming back, right? I mean, the industry, I think, classifies advisors as passive. They do very few tickets. Active, they do a good number. But then the advocate bucket, that once they start embracing insurance products in their practice, they start doing a large number because they understand the benefit to the client. And, you know, what Heather talked about, right, through education through getting everyone trained up so that they can understand how they use these things they start to grab a hold of it and and they they move on them so you know i think some pop set of the population will will never will never move but we're you know we're we're seeing that so i think debate versus 
you know, just I am where I am and that's good enough for now. And, and I do think you're going to start seeing with the changing demographic of advisors, more technology usage, right? Less, less paper, less face-to-face, -face, you know, type interactions because younger generations demand, you know, almost the, the classic, dare I say, gamification of everything, right? Where it is technology driven. Um, so, you know, I think it's a matter of time. The other thing I would say is I also think that the, uh, you know, the client has changed. If you look at the demographics of the clients that we're serving, we're getting older. You know, so oftentimes when I'm talking with advisors, I'll use myself even as an example. You know, if something, ha I have an amazing advisor, first of all, he is really quite fantastic. But even in this turbulent market, uh, but if something happened to me tomorrow, there's nothing that would replace my income like my term insurance. Um, that gives my family peace of mind to make decisions on what they want to do, not what they have to do. And the planning tools that we have out there really demonstrate that significantly. And then on the annuity front, too, clients are moving into those distribution years. And income distribution is something every advisor is talking about. Every advisor has a client in his or her book where their client is beginning retirement. We now have um, the volatile marketplaces present, too, which make it even more unnerving for somebody who's recently retired or going into retirement, and even for those who've been retired for quite some time. So it creates a an environment for advisors to really take a look at what those vehicles are and what's going to create the best outcomes. Well, Rich, Heather, great discussion. Thank you for listening to this Wealthy Circle podcast. And for more Wealthy Circle podcasts, visit WMTV on wealthmanagement.com.